and then they saw me in a bra, and that was exactly. it. What's going on, Pearl Jam nerds? I'm Brad Lyons, all alone, and this is Single Podcast Theory. What's going on? How's everyone doing? My brothers and sisters, my fellow humans, this is going to be weird, and I like it. Um, Yeah, so uh, this is just kind of a a solo episode. Uh, Brad and I have talked about doing this for a while. Um, I don't know. I think partly to to find more ways to get a little bit more content out there. Um, you know, we used to do bonus episodes fairly regularly, but just got a little bit busy, and we haven't done that in a while. So it's a nice Saturday afternoon in Birmingham, Alabama right now, and I'm just going to make this shit up as I go along. Um, one of the things that we, well, that's not made up is going to be, I did uh, hit up all of our Patreon peeps. Those are the people that um, are kind enough to not only support the show by listening, but also, um, yeah, financially supporting the show. So if you'd like to find out more about that, you can go to patreon.com. You've heard us talk about it every episode. Uh, patreon.com slash single podcast theory. Uh, so I asked everyone, I told our Patreon, uh, supporters that we're going to do the first solo episode. And if anyone had any questions to email and I would, uh, try and cover them all. And we got some emails faux show and, uh, (laughs) I love it. So I guess to kind of like set out the guidelines for these episodes too, is that in some ways there are no guidelines so if you um don't like it when me and brad talk about things other than pearl jam whether that's a movie or whether that's another band or whatever it is uh this might not be the episode for you give it a shot you might enjoy it um definitely gonna be pearl jam in here for sure my favorite fucking rock band um but i like lots of music and i want to get all these questions as well so uh, maybe you can look at it as an opportunity to get to know us as individuals a little bit more if you're into that kind of thing. All right. I guess I'm just going to jump into it. Um, so I'm going to kind of, I guess, just go in order of how I got these things. And the first one is also, I think, a good one to just kind of start off this episode with. It's from our friend Mark Kilminster. He has written to us many times, been... Listening, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly, I've been listening to the show for a long time. Hey, Mark, what's going on, man? Um, he says, "Hey, dude, hope you're good." I am, man. Uh, and yeah, and when he sent this, it was uh, it was my birthday, so he said, "Happy birthday, thanks, bud." Uh, he's got a Pearl Jam question and a regular question. God, I feel I've never done this before, and now I feel all of a sudden, just literally, just then. I felt all the pressure of giving the most disappointing answers ever. But here we go. I'm going to try it anyway. So the first question he says is, 
I need to learn an album's worth of new songs on bass and background vocals. It's prog stuff, crazy timings, and he gives examples like 9-8, 10-8. Uh, there's crazy structures, etc., and so fa- some fast runs all over the place. Any advice on how to nail it? I'm getting there, but wondered if you had any cool tips to speed up the process. Love you, man, and the other guy. All right, cool. Uh, we'll g- I'm going to do his other question in just a second, but... Man, so specifically in regards to Prague, you've asked the wrong dude. Not because I don't think it's cool, but just because I haven't played that kind of stuff in a really, really long time. But I will tell you this. I've spent a lot of time having to learn large large amounts of material uh, very quickly. And... I mean, there's the obvious stuff that you, I mean, you know this, like, I mean, it all depends on how good you are at your instrument, first of all, but you're adding background vocals on top of that. So the funny thing is, I mean, actually playing the stuff obviously really helps, but I don't know, man, I just listen to the stuff and I think I might get just as much by just listening to it as I do the time I spend actually playing it. Um, there's just something about it for me that it just kind of seeps into my brain and I have to kind of, that's my way of immersing myself into the songs, if that makes any sense, because then you're not thinking as much and you're just able to play. Um, I don't know, that sounds kind of vague and esoteric, I guess, but that's the best advice I can give. Of course, you've probably already done this gig because you wrote this like a week or week and a half ago or something like this but just in general uh and then it's just stuff like man i totally cheat depending on how much time i have too and i'm just kind of (laughs) i'll be honest with you for me i'm kind of over it i you know it was fun a long time ago like it was a process i don't know it was ear development but i just don't have time to sit around and really like if I don't hear it really quickly or it's a run or it's a, it's a intricate part of a a lead or something like that. Um, I've put in my time, like really grinding shit out. Technology is your friend. There's man, I think it's called any tune or there's something like that. I straight up use that on my phone and it'll keep the key the same, but it'll slow it down to whatever speed you want. So you can literally like, if you had a 30 second note run at a, B, a really high BPM of like, you know, 150 or something, you can slow that bitch down to where it's like, it sounds like quarter notes at 80 BPM. Um, and you can really like hear all the detail as far as notes and stuff like that. Uh, so that's the cheat that I use on guitar and stuff like that. But man, I'm telling you, when I have a gig, I just make like, old school mix CD or a playlist on my phone if I'm if it's you know if that's possible and I just listen to that stuff non-stop <laughs> like that's all I will listen to until the gig um, as well as making charts and and you know the the quote-unquote practice stuff that probably didn't help you at all but for me it's like I need to be able to sing the songs in my head um, that's kind of the the thing for me, if I can't hear it as a song and a melody that I'm somewhat familiar with and kind of, I can hear in my head, then I'm 
man, I'm just kind of faking it, <laughs> you know? And that's the thing is like, I've done it for a long time and I'm ashamed to say I'm real good at faking it. Uh, if you guys listen to uh, Clint's podcast, I think, or if he's listening to this, I think he would agree to most of us that have made a career. Part of it is yes, we're good at what we do. Um, but it's also that we know how to fake it. <laughs> Because that's what professionals have to do sometimes. All right. There's my long-winded response to that question. So now he says, he, he poses this hypothetical to me. He says, stone calls. They are playing around the corner tomorrow night and want to invite you up for one song. Lead or rhythm, it's up to you. Your song choice, which song and why? Well... I think I'm going to give you the answer like this in the form of the song, and then we'll talk about it. Here's my choice for Mark K's dream scenario.
Alright, come on. Alright, first of all, how many of you guys were surprised that that was my pick? I picked a song with no lead, you know, no big mic guitar solo, which that made the decision really hard. Because I will tell you that some of the other songs that went through my head, I think actually might be surprises as well. I mean, I know you guys know that I, you know, In Hiding is, I love that song uh, for a lot of personal reasons. And I just think it's a great fucking song. But um, my other one was actually Alive, just because I'm pretty sure that Alive is the first Pearl Jam song I learned on guitar. And it would give me, um, in my ego, all the room uh, to not only get to play one of Stone's most iconic riffs ever, but also get to trade lead at the uh, outro solo with Mike fucking McCready. It's kind of the best of both worlds, right? I don't know why I didn't end up... Now that I say all that, that'd be pretty amazing. But, man, I just think that I think that's a great guitar choice, but I think that at the end of the day, I always learn to play instruments because I love songs. I don't, uh, yeah, I just, it it was never like I want to, um, I mean, every player kind of goes through these phases, but I I honestly like never wanted to learn like Steve Vai shit or Joe Satchery. And I'm not knocking it. I mean, obviously those guys are amazing. It just, doesn't i i just want to play songs and obviously they play songs too but what i mean is just a more kind of i want the lyrics i want the vocal i want something about that kind of push and pull with creative creativity between multiple people and uh i like the tension that that brings and the um I don't know. I just don't get that same kind of feeling from that really precise look at look at what I can do kind of stuff. To me, it just seems, uh, I don't know. I can't speak for anyone else. I'm just saying again, for me, it seems self-serving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't get anything. I don't get anything out of that type of music or where it comes from. Um, anyway, so... I think I just I connect with the lyrics so much that I just would love to be up on stage and feel that feeling of being a part of that noise that is the song in hiding. I mean, give me a fucking break. Every time I read his or think about his lyrics, it's like every song there's at least one line that just kind of like is the gut punch, man. I mean, I swallowed the truth to keep from lying. I swallowed my face just to keep from biting. What else does he say? Um, I swallowed my breath. I went deep. I was diving. I surf. What was that? I surfaced when all my being was enlightened. I relate to that so much, except for the enlightened part. I'm definitely not an enlightened human being. Um, well, I don't even know what that really means, but uh, those that that whole stanza is so good. And then literally, sometimes I feel like it's almost literal that that uh, I think it's the third verse, second or third verse. It's been about three days now since I've been a, uh, above ground. I'm no longer overwhelmed, and it seems so simple now. 
yeah, it's funny how things change so much. It's all state of mind. I feel like dealing with that idea right there has been, could kind of sum up my whole life. <laughs> and then just that simple chorus, I'm in hiding. Um, I just relate to that song way too much. And if I'm going to get up on, on stage with those boys, I want I want to I want to play something that I'm really feeling, not just that it's cool that I'm up there playing with Pearl Jam in this dream scenario that's not real. And now I'm thinking about it like it was. And now I'm like, you know, when you wake up from those dreams that seem super fucking vivid and real, uh, and then you realize that they're not and they were a good dream, that's what just happened to me. So I'm sad now. I'm super sad. All right. Um Mark Thank you so much for writing that in. All right, let's move on. Got uh, Jen Harris here. Our good friend Jen, she's a sweetheart. I know. I've met her in person. I know it to be fact. She's amazing. All right. Hey, Jen. Uh, she says, where where are we? Um, since you're doing your first episode as the Lone Brad, I thought I'd go with the theme and get your thoughts on Eddie Vedder solo show shows. Would you go to one? Are they as good as the gang's all here Pearl Jam show? And do you think Eddie will fangirl out when he plays Wembley with Pete Townsend in July? Like I may have fangirled when meeting you guys in Chicago. Hoping for a U.S. tour so we can do it all again. Yes, ma'am. Amen to that, sister. She says, cheers, Brad. Thanks, Jen. Uh, what do I think about Eddie Vedder solo shows? Um, I mean, of course I'd love to go. It's Eddie Vedder. I can't say... This, this is a really weird topic for me. Um, it's amazing to me that I can love him and that band so much. And he's such... I mean, he is a powerhouse on his own. That's what makes Pearl Jam so great is that all these guys as individuals are powerhouses and you stick them all together and that's what happens. Every huge band that's ever been, that is a, I, I, I just think that's a common theme. I think that at least a majority of the people on stage are forces to be reckoned with on their own. You know, when you look at some of those just classic, huge, iconic bands and i think pearl jam is one of those but i don't get the same feeling from eddie's solo music man i don't know and it's not that it's not good you know it's not like or that i don't think it's good again it's i listen to it and i i love his voice and i think it's just that i'm i think it's that i'm spoiled that's what it is i think the combination of those guys that make up pearl jam they all, like I just said, are amazing on their own, but what puts all of them over the top is that combination. Something, that thing that happens and has happened since, it's documented, since the beginning. Even that meek, meek Eddie in that first show, you know, mistakes and all, it's like you still see it. It's still, you still get that gut feeling, you know? Um, and I just don't get it from his solo music. I'm, I've really tried. I want, I want to be in love with it. Cause I almost feel like it'd be getting extra Pearl Jam songs or something, <laughs> but I guess that's the thing is this not, you know, 
Um, but I'm sure at some point it'll hit me at the right time. This has happened with me with whether it's genres or specific artists where it's just like, man, I, I, I know that I should love this. Uh, but I don't, and then something happens. It's just like, I don't know if it's a timing thing or what, and I'll I'll hear something that I've heard a thousand times, didn't really blow my hair back before, and then all of a sudden I'm in love with it. So I'm totally open to that happening. And maybe it's going to an Eddie Solo show that would turn the corner for me. That happens to me a lot. I listen to a recorded versions, you know, a record or whatever, and it's like, oh, that's cool. And then you get that live experience, and, you know, whether it's just the context of being there in front of that person that, that created this music that you listen to in your in your car or on vinyl or at home or whatever it is right in front of you. Or some stuff is just, it was written kind of live and that's the way it needs to exist. And, and sometimes you just can't capture that on records. But, um, so I'm open to all that. It just has never, it's never done it for me. Uh, all right. So, do you think Eddie Girl will fa- Eddie will fangirl out when he plays Wim- Wembley? I think if you mean by fangirl, um, feel the the. I mean, I can't, I can't really, I don't really have anything analogous to this, but I mean, I'll try just for the sake of trying to answer the question. I know for me playing, there's a couple of places that I've played that were really important to me, something like the Ryman, right? Um, And now, of course, I wasn't playing with one of my heroes on that stage that night, but I was still playing, you know, on this hollowed ground or whatever. And I don't, I can't say that it feels like fangirling, but um, I would imagine that it would just be a real sense of humility and gratitude. That's going to be my guess on how he would feel because him and Peter are already friends you know what I mean he's not gonna it's just gonna be that moment on that stage with this that it's that combo again you know putting all the parts together and making something great god I couldn't imagine getting to do the equivalent of that you know that'd be me getting to play play up there with with Stone and Mike or you know any combination of world champ it's it's like Mark K's question you know um anyway so let me see here what do i want to play next i think that i'm gonna go with again this is all off the cuff man let's let's do some uh yeah i'm gonna do this i think this is gonna be all surprises today uh i'm gonna yeah let's do it let's do a little bob o'reilly here we go
Yep, there it is. Brad L. played a cover for his solo episode. I didn't see that one coming, uh, but I love, I do love that cover. I've loved that cover since since I was a kid. That was one, another layer of why I love Pearl Jam is, and it's just because of, you know, I don't know, the age I was and it's not that things are necessarily different now. Media is different now, but I loved like the who because my dad loved the who and my favorite band Pearl Jam loved the who that was my direct line into, you know, discovering the who, uh, that happened with a lot of bands, uh, from my love of Pearl Jam, Zeppelin, all those, all those bands that you've heard me talk about a million times. Um, all right, cool. So let's move on. We got a couple more. We got uh, our buddy Clay Davis. Shit. What's up, Clay? Clay, well, I mean, if you listen to the show, he's written in a bunch. Got to hang out with him uh, at Wrigley. It was awesome. But he and I got to have a really long conversation. I hope that gets to happen again. How you doing, Clay? What's up, bud? All right. He says, this is kind of the same as, uh, I think, Mark's question, but... It's a little bit different. If you could play on a re-record of any song, what would it be and what instrument? Now, I'm assuming you mean of any Pearl Jam song. Uh, and if it's any song, period, then I can't... Then, Clay, what the fuck? I can't answer that question. Any song of all... Like, no. Couldn't do that. I could maybe narrow it down to a Pearl Jam song, though. Uh, man. Mm, 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 mm. I don't know. I guess maybe I'd re-record. You know what? I'm going to step it up. I'm going to say I wouldn't want to do a re-record. I would want... i go for it all the way. Just fucking go for it. Let me play on a new song on the new record. You don't even... Don't put, don't put my name on the liner notes. I'll sign an NDA, motherfucker. I won't say a word. Let me come up with some parts on a song on the new record. That's what it would be. I've revised your question, turned it into a new one. There you go. That's what I want. I want to play in the studio with them. Okay. Um, what do you miss, if anything, from touring? I miss a lot from touring, but the thing I hate about touring oh, at this point in my, over in my life uh, outweighs my love for touring, I guess. I still do it from time to time, but so I guess I'm kind of spoiled. I kind of have the best of both worlds in a way but um what do i miss well i miss the people i was super fortunate i would say an overwhelming majority of the gigs that i had were with people that i became legit friends with and you know they they were all really big i'd say a lot of them were really big parts of my life so um i definitely miss the people man i miss i just miss travel period. I don't think I realized until I quit traveling full time how much I, perspective I gained from traveling and kind of constantly being reminded that, that there is a really, it doesn't feel like it, but there's a really big world out there. And I'm going to get cheesy and hopeful for a minute. I think that you find that most people are actually really good and just trying to live their lives. And there's a lot more beauty out there than I think, um, 
we realize based on what's getting kind of shoved in our faces. And I'm not all fucking conspiracy theorist about, you know, whatever. I just think, I think we should all calm down just a little bit, okay? Just calm down. I would like that for a little while if everyone would just calm down. How about that? Okay, and the last question from from Clay, which is, have you and Blazik discussed doing a live stream episode or a 100-episode party meet-greet? The answers are, Clay, yes and yes. We have discussed both. It's just a a time-money logistics thing, uh, more so with the live stream because Brad and I are in different places and we already do a remote recording. What It doesn't matter. It just gets a lot more more complicated pretty quickly uh for a live stream stuff but we have talked about you know uh blaze is gonna kill me uh we have talked about you know maybe figuring something like that out for the episodes maybe when he comes down to birmingham for a weekend or if i come up to nashville and he wants to you know meet up up there or something like that but then as far as the party meet and greet that's just so hard yeah i we definitely wanted to do that we will definitely want to figure that out it's just it's so hard to pick a place because of the listeners are, you know, we have a lot of listeners in Seattle and LA, but also a lot in Chicago and in New York and in Boston. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you pick, how do you pick a spot? So, um, yeah, we'd like to try and work through something like that. And if we can make it possible or make it happen, I, yes, we definitely will do something like that. We'll figure it out. Thanks, Clay, man. It's it's good to hear from you. Real quick, uh, before we move on to another song, we got Chris Thomas, our buddy Chris. What's up, Chris? Brad L., looking forward to the solo episode. I just thought of this today. Would you be willing to comment or mention any particular songs of the band that you find technically interesting or technically difficult? Yeah. Uh, I've got two songs in my head right now. I'm trying to decide what I'm going to play next based on this question, actually. Um, So here's the deal. Pearl Jam, man, it just depends on what your level is as a player. Depending on how, you know, how long you've been playing or how much time you put in. For For some people, Alive is a really fucking hard song. And for some people, it's, they can play it in their sleep. You know, it all depends. I. I think in general, Pearl Jam is not known for what you're asking about, which is probably why you're asking about it. I mean, they are a total, I think, like, it's all about emoting and groove. And and, and as far as guitars go and stuff, I think it's about um, chord voicings. I mean, we've talked a lot about Stone has such uh, an individual like okay so every musician is an individual everyone has got their thing right but i feel like just to use mike and stone as kind of back-to-back comparisons i feel like and this is gonna sound like i'm ripping mike and i'm not i oh god i love mike so much but stone has a more individual quote-unquote unique voice to the stuff that he writes and comes up with. Uh, I think some of his stuff, it's not necessarily hard to play once you figured it out, but sometimes it's a little weird to figure out Stone's voicings and parts just because uh, it 
you know, it might technically be a D chord, but the way he's playing the inversion is what gives it that thing. <laughs> the thing that makes you want to learn how to play it, you know, or that's the way it was for me. So it's not about difficulty, but I will say that, um, you know, I remember trying to, okay, I just made my decision on the song. So I remember trying to, um, learn Tremor Christ and it just took my ear a long time to f figure out what those weird dissonant chords were in the verses. Um, and that's not, again, it's not hard. It's just very unique. And you got to dig in with your ear pretty hard, I feel like, to really figure out the voicings, voicings he's playing on that song. Um, but once you get it, it's super easy. Um and then, this is just a personal thing. Okay, so this will be the next song. But do the evolution, man. I don't know what it is about that main riff. Man, kicks my ass every time. I think it's just, it's a, it's a finger movement that's just not normal for me. A way to order and approach the, the notes and the riff for some reason just messes me up. I, I've never felt like I can really play that like Stone, you know? And again, it's not hard. It's just unique. So I hope you don't feel like that's a cop-out cop out answer, Chris, but that is my answer. So let's listen to a little bit of that. Here's Do the Evolution.
Good God, I love that song. I always have. That, again, that coupled with the McFarlane animated music video just made my head explode in the best possible way. Um, Yeah, super simple riff. Kicks me in the ass every time. I don't know why. I don't know why. And at this point, it's just like a, a... a weird like mental it's almost like a tick now it's just because i'm so aware of it i think i just i'm thinking too much and i fuck that song up every time god i'm gonna have to quit here and just when i get done i'm just gonna go i'm gonna go play do the evolution all day long until i get it right and then i'll report back to you guys (laughs) there is no way i'm doing that come on all right so Got a couple more emails from our friends over in Patreon world. All right, we got Tom Lee. What's up, Tom? I love it. You guys are so, I haven't mentioned this yet. You sweet, sweet people are so timely and considerate. I think every one of these emails, um, and they all came in within, I would say, 48 hours or something from me, from me putting out the, uh, the signal to our Patreon supporters and everyone was like, Oh, I'm so sorry if I, I, I'm probably too late or whatever. And it's like, you're talking about lions, man. Did you think this was going to come out like the next day after I uh, asked her questions? I'm not Brad B. Come on. I'm always making people wait for shit. Wait for me to show up places. Wait for me to answer texts. Right, Brad B. Right, Brad B. All right. Uh, It's Tom, and he says, It seems to me that one of Pearl Jam's most defining qualities is a spirit of generosity. Some examples are fan club tickets, bonus tracks on singles, and the percentage of all ticket sales that goes to charities. On top of that, you can add their activism and the many stories of their kindness and thoughtfulness reported on Single Podcast Theory. If you accept the premise, Brad L., what are your most impressionable experiences of realizing Pearl Jam were on a different level in this regard? Man, let's see here. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a swig of my coffee real quick while I ponder this. Um again, I this is my honest answer. I'll try and you know, I, again, I'm not trying to it's not a cop out. Let me try and think of one specific thing maybe while I give kind of my answer, which is that your email kind of is my answer, right? I think one of the things I've always loved about them, and then, again, it's something that you can kind of, you know, for me, I realized it about Pearl Jam, which is I knew, while it is not necessarily important for me that I you know, feel like I like the person to love and enjoy their music. It definitely doesn't hurt though. Right. I mean, everyone likes to feel like, uh, something they love is coming from something positive, I think. Um, but it's just in the ways that it's all pervasive in the community that they have built, which means that, you know, unless they're just really good kind of backdoor businessmen, if that makes any sense, like you really got to be 
trying to put one on over, put one over on people um, with that much involvement. Point being, it just it's it's genuine. <laughs> they think about it. Uh, I think it's part. It's like if they had a credo <laughs> as a band, this would be part of it to remember, quote unquote, where they came from. They remember, you really get the sense from them, almost like a good parent. They actually remember and can empathize with the feelings that young people have. Because, man, everyone is an insane person when they're young. You know what I mean? And to me, that's what I think of when I think of Pearl Jam, is their love of the youth. The youths. Um... And just people in general. I think they just want... It's an overwhelming feeling that they all want to leave this place um, better than they found it um, in any way that they can make that possible. Because they don't just give to one charity. They, they, you know, they take the time to, like, figure out how their money that gets donated can do the most to help. Right. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like the lobbyist version of, um, or hopefully it's not. They seem to really take care in learning about these, these things that they give money to. Anyway, sorry, that was so long winded, but, um, again, I'm not trying to cop out on a specific thing, but I think the point is that there's just so much there to kind of draw from. Thanks again, Tom. It's always good to hear from you. I always like your questions. Appreciate it. All right, uh, here's another one. Aurelian, what's up, man? Uh, This is our friend Aurelian Moreau. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Says, uh, hey, Brad L. Yeah, here we go. I'm probably late. Uh, He says, if this is not the case, I would be interested to know more about your work as a professional musician. What makes you follow this path? What are the main difficulties and the most rewarding moments that you have encountered? Do you prefer touring or writing? When writing for others, um, to which extent do you have to comply with specific guidance and requests? The show continue. The shows continue to be awesome. Thanks for your time that you dedicate to it. Thanks, Aurelian. Appreciate it, man. Um, okay, so that's a lot there. I think I can kind of wrap it all up together, though. What makes me follow this path? <laughs> do I? Why don't you figure that out and get back to me? Um, I think I think that I'm just now figuring out why I follow this path, honestly. Um, and then if you talk to me in six years, hopefully it'll have changed because I've changed. But um, I think there just was an overwhelming sense that I, 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 I have to. <laughs> I don't know. I just like I can't help it. Uh, it's almost a uh, a compulsion of some sort. Like I just, my brain is constantly kind of buzzing with just ideas, and some of it's just chatter and noise that everyone has up in their brain. But uh, I think it's just fundamentally to a different way of seeing the world that makes you quote unquote follow, I I guess more of a creative path. 
And then, I mean, I think the difficulties are, the, I mean, ever, I think they're pretty stock answers for that. It's, it's just the security, well, I guess, financially is the hardest part, especially as you grow up and mature and get older and have different responsibilities and, and all that. It gets very confusing. Like, at what point am I selfish? Because I don't make, <laughs> I think you guys would be surprised to find out, I don't make shit tons of money uh, producing original music in Birmingham, Alabama that is so full of talented people, but um, there's just no infrastructure for that here yet. And that that just is really hard. You have to kind of create, be part of creating the infrastructure in a place like this, as opposed to, you know, they all have their trade-offs, but, you know, I, I lived in Nashville for 10 years doing music full-time, and um, there it's just you have to get plugged in and... It's still hard and it's a grind, but it's just, it's a different grind. At least there's a, something to uh, kind of, a, a train to hop onto that's already moving as opposed to uh, constructing the, the train and getting it moving all on its own. So that's for me personally, I guess. That's, that, that's the hard part. That's the grind part for me. Um, and, it, you know, I don't do it for the money. That's why I haven't quit doing it. But you do have to weigh out like, you know, you, you'll have a slow month and you'll go, oh, my God. But then at the same time, do you want, as far as how I see it, you only live once, man. <laughs> and if at all possible, I'm going to keep doing what I love because it's I'm also very fortunate in that it's also what I'm good at. You know, it's the whole, you know, people get told, just do what you love. Yeah, I yeah. But if you're not good at it, don't don't do it for a living because <laughs> it's already hard, to, you know, in the arts. Uh, and this is not a, like a pity party thing. It's just hard and it kind of should be hard. I'm glad it's hard. Um, but yeah, I'm totally rambling now, but that's, there's lots of difficulties, but I do think it at least is equaled by the rewarding moments. And those are things that you can't really put into words. It's, obviously a lot based on emotion experience and and the intimacy of it's indescribable the the intimacy that is developed between two hu human beings and i don't mean like in a you know a romantic or sexual thing necessarily but just a connection that is hard to put into words when you've really um i don't know ex uh inhabited that that other space with someone um, without speaking language to each other and, uh, and, and making noise that is extremely maybe beautiful or emotive or overwhelming. However, whatever, whatever it is that comes out, you know, um, that's the stuff that kind of, that's the hit that keeps you kind of chasing and coming back for more and, um, and for a lot of us too, man, it's it's a cheaper, in some ways, cheaper form of therapy. And I know that sounds cliche, but uh, I think most musicians that would tell you that it's not that on a pretty big level for them, I think are probably full of shit. But I don't know what's in someone else's head. Uh, man, is this just a disaster of an episode? I just started thinking about it. I'm just fucking talking. 
All right, you guys are champs if you're still listening. Uh, do you prefer touring or writing? Writing, but I love both. I think they're both important. I think, I think that's other than the other reasons we talked about before, getting to travel, the people I get to travel with, stuff like that. Um, I think there is something about touring that just it's about keeping your chops up too. So while that not might not be my source of income anymore, I still want to know that I can st- that I still got it. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of it can re-inspire you in other areas of music, like writing or studio work, production, all that kind of stuff. Um, when writing for others, to which extent uh, do you have to comply with specific guidance? Uh, Man, this is a good question. You should talk to Clint about this because um, it's probably changed a lot since since I was in those writers' rooms and doing those co-writes. And I know I could just tell you uh, that's one of the reasons the constraints and requests are one of the reasons why I got really burned out in Nashville and and kind of quit and moved back to Birmingham is just because there was nothing. It was all so formulaic that. It kind of made me a little sick. Now I see, I was very idealistic then too, though. So I'll say that. I was a younger man. Now I totally get it. And there's still areas in that world that I couldn't occupy. But, you know, for example, Clint, you know, he does that for a living now. And um, he's a good example of, I feel like, the way I would do it. He, He writes... Whether they're exercises for him or not, um, it all comes across as very genuine and emotive. And he is not afraid, man. <laughs> I've been some. Of his, I wonder if some of his solo episodes. Um, he's played some of his stuff, but he has written some of the best, worst, just pop country, fucking awful bullshit I've ever heard. And it's so amazing that he can do that. I'm not one of those guys. Um, so I left because I don't like those constraints. I want, I, I might not make as much money as I could in a place like Nashville or Austin, New York, whatever, man, I can't tell you what it's like to be able to get someone in the studio and no matter what they say, if that's the kind of record they want to make, if they want to make an eighties pop record, cool, we can do that. And no one's going to tell us, well, maybe make it sound more like this because this is what's cool right now. It's just like, what do you want to do? And that is way more rewarding. Oh my God. That's, what was this a 15 minute bit? What the hell? All right, cool. Thank you guys for those questions. We've got a couple more, but first I'm going off the Pearl Jam path for a minute. So, uh, we're going to listen to a song by a, a super group, if you will but a brand new one. <laughs> uh, it's a group called Boy Genius, and it is Lucy Dacus, Julian uh, Baker, and Phoebe Bridgers all got together and made this record, and it is fucking sick. It is... I'm going to... That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play one track from this one, and then... Because this is... These next two songs are coming off records that were my probably my two favorite records that came out this year um so let's go ahead and give this one a listen this is called salt in the wound from boy genius you put salt in the wound 
I'm back, and I hope that you listened to that song. I know that we all got to know each other through our love of Pearl Jam, um, 
but I think we all know that there's other music out there too. And that is a song from a record that I absolutely wore out this year. I mean, those lyrics in that chorus, man. But you take and you take like silks up my sleeve, tied corner to corner, never ending, trick after trick. I make the magic and you unrelentingly ask for the secret. I think that's pretty fucking great. Um, can, can you tell I'm a lyrics guy? I love lyrics. That Julian Baker verse, it starts with neck, a neck full of mocking bird, birds all calling your name. Come on, man. That just like, I don't even have to know what you're talking about. That just makes me want to listen. I love shit like that. Um, and if you don't know, so this is, if you are interested, there's Lucy Dacus, who she sang, she is kind of like the lead vocal on uh, the first verse and the chorus. Uh, she's got an amazing solo record out. Uh, Julian Baker, great solo record out. Phoebe Bridgers, I mean, don't get me started on her first solo record because I think uh, I think it's fucking amazing. Um, I don't think I think it came out in 2017 though, technically. But um, what is this? What am I doing? A fucking year in review show in almost March. Who cares when it came out? It's a great record. And you should check it out. And if I, you know, I think we'll keep doing these. Uh, let me know. Tell me how great it was or how awful it was or let's do it again and try something different. Whatever. I've actually had fun kind of making it up as I go, which might have been not the best call, but I'm having fun. I hope you are having fun as well. Uh, all right. So I'll, I'll leave you alone about Boy Genius, but you should check it out literally not a song on i guess technically it's an ep i think it's eight songs or something like that six songs um not a song on there that i would skip at all not even kind of i listened to the whole fucking thing all the way down love it okay here's my other one and hey at least this one has a pearl jam connection whether you like her or not Brandy Carlisle is part of the Pearl Jam universe, not just because she's a Seattle girl, but uh, they work together a lot. You know, Pearl Jam covered one of her songs on that compilation disc where a bunch of artists got together and picked a song to cover of hers. Um, she is, I mean, it's all the things you've probably heard before, but just in case you have no idea who I'm talking about, um, Brandy Carlisle is just, I don't know, I, I i feel like, I got to a certain age and I always wondered, you know, for, so for me, especially in high school, was discovering, well, a lot of music, just music in general, but specifically realizing my love for like a Joni Mitchell, for example. And I was like, got to an age where I was like, well, who's going to be, who's going to be our generations like Joni Mitchell. And I don't mean like sound like her or anything like that, but whether you like her or not, for example, Joni Mitchell is legendary. She's a fucking badass. Uh, the, the landscape of music would not look the same without her. And I feel like Brandy Carlisle fits into that category. She's just, again, it's not, 
I feel like <laughs> I can objectively say she's um, she's just kind of a freak of nature, and I just don't see how even if you don't like the music, you could deny the talent. Um, and I feel like this the song I'm going to play is one of the stranger songs on the record, even though it's kind of one of the more up songs in the record it's uh whatever we're gonna listen to it it's called hold out your hand we'll talk in a minute all right all right i run a lot of miles of life and crime and mountain climbs and quitting times packing that load of lion rhymes and tired jokes and wooden dimes i've been everybody's friend everybody's friend I could lose my house, I could steal a car, I could serve two masters, living hard, living like a dog in a cage in the yard with a fistful of cold hard cash that I can't let go. The devil can't have my soul, the devil can't get your soul, the devil can't get your soul. Calls and the moment he falls in the haunted halls, a man he will understand, he will comprehend, he will not pretend, he will not pretend. When the rain don't fall and the river don't run and the wind takes orders from the blazing sun, the devil don't break for the forest egg and you had about as goddamn much as you can take. The devil don't take a break, the devil don't take a break, the devil don't take a break.
Well, shit. I mean, that is like a Beatles level arrangement of different time signatures. And I guarantee you those were all done, like recorded in se- at separate times, separate sections. And I bet they recorded this on tape. And I bet there was a lot of razor blade cutting going on. Um, I could be totally wrong, but. Um, I don't know. I've never, I've tried, maybe not hard enough, obviously, but I've never been able to put a song like that together, at least on my own, where it's just that, uh, you know, if you actually split it apart and take each section, they should not work together, but they just kind of ebb and flow and bend and pull in and out of each other and it just feels completely natural at least to me anyway um and then her voice and then the fact that i love that she has a way of you know i guess speaking her mind without uh kind of hiding it in metaphor or i mean that whole i think it's like the third the third verse or something like that where she's talking about you know, a license what a license for killing your own native son for a careless mistake in a fake plastic gun. It's just like, you know exactly what she's talking about. And I respect, I don't know, I really do. This isn't the line. Uh, I love when people are being genuine and honest and can put that into their art in a way that doesn't seem overbearing. I mean, I feel like, you can just listen to that song. Again, it's another example that I've given a million times on the show. But if you want to dig deeper and you want to see what's in there, there's a lot to dig into. Um, and that's with every song on this record. It's an unbelievable record. Anyway, I hope you, if you hadn't heard that song before, I hope you liked it. I hope you check out that record, all of her stuff, um, that and the Boy Genius record. Um, because it's kind of been blowing my mind lately. And I have to say, I'm pretty, I mean, I've always been partial to female songwriting for some reason. Um, I just feel like there's, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. I've just always preferred the way, um, the, uh, the female writing perspective, I guess. And just the way the female voice emotes in ways that the male voice can't and it works vice versa whatever i just i've always been drawn to the the female vocal for some reason um so when we continue to do this you're going to hear a lot more of of the uh the female lead vocal from old beeli over here all right, <clears throat> let's do the last two emails. This one's this one's really heavy hitting. I'm going to need you guys to, you know, I don't know what you do to. Uh, some people call it center themselves. Some people, um, uh, I don't know, you know, just getting right. I, don't, I just get yourself in a good place because Bagel. We got we've got one from Bagel, our friend Patrick Bogle, and you know these are always really insightful, hard hitting. Um, emails and correspondence that he sends with us and today is no is no exception to that rule we've got um this message from bagel he says um and again these questions were only sent out to um our our 
Patreon supporters. So thanks again to you guys. Um, he says, how can I no longer be a cat at Patreon? This furry avatar is killing me. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. I bet if you double clicked on your avatar, it would take you somewhere. Who am I kidding? You've tried everything. You're bagel. I'm sorry that you aren't happy with your auto assigned, um, avatar on our Patreon page. I will, uh, I'll call the president. We're, we're pretty tight and, uh, we'll get that taken care of you or taking care of you, taking care of for you, my friend. Um, thanks bagel. No matter what it is, I always enjoy hearing from you. Hope you're well, ma'am. And then we got one more for this solo episode before I get out of here. And this is from, uh, a fairly new friend. We've been, uh, uh, been a lot of correspondence back and forth with Devin Dowdy Dev. He says, lions, I probably missed the window. Uh, he says, but as I sit around working before the big football game comes on today, I wonder, do our greatest musicians think about their own legacy? If so, what would Pearl Jam say theirs is? I ask in the context of a comparison against sports, as legacy is such a big part of the conversation, from Michael Jordan and LeBron James to Joe Montana and Tom Brady and beyond. Obviously, music isn't an athletic competition. It's an artistic experience. But Eddie is such a sports nut that he thought uh, the, the thought seems somewhat interesting. Cheers, Dev. Man, I think that's a great question. And I think uh, for people that, again, this is one of those things where I can only answer for myself. And I think sometimes that word only people only tend to use it in terms of people that are, I guess, famous, um, or of note, but, you know, obviously, you know, I'm none of those things. And I think about my legacy with music. I think about, um, what I'm going to leave behind and not only do I feel like it represents me, almost like a audio time capsule in a way. Um, I don't know. I want it to be good, and I want to make sure that it's all there. I think I've spent a lot of my life since I started writing for myself um, and even you know, getting comfortable with singing and learning how to sing and getting comfortable with my own voice. Um, I've got so much stuff that's just sitting in the studio that just needs to be put together and I haven't done it for whatever reason, fear, all that stuff. But I'm really, I don't know what it is um, about my internal clock or just what's been going on in my life lately, but I just feel like I got to get as much, not as much. Um, I'm not going to prince it or anything, but um, I need to, I just need to put stuff out there. And it's important because it is because it is part of my legacy. It's a way that I can have a legacy. Uh, I want whether they're good songs or not. I want Aiden to be able to have access to them after I'm gone. For example, you know, um, it's kind of all I think about, and I think a lot of musicians are like that. Um, it's not all I think about, but you definitely it's it's back there. It's back there in the back of your head when you're making decisions about stuff. And 
you know, the earlier question just about that path in general is it's that's what you can't fight. I'm I'm the, I'm the fucking caveman that decided to 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 paint on the the cave wall for the first time. You know, in some ways it's really it's kind of really desperate and sad and this innate internal ego need to be remembered or maybe some uh, illusion that I put up for myself to think that I, <laughs> I matter in a way that I really don't and that no one does um, in a specific way. People do matter. I think I matter. That's not what I'm saying. But um, yeah, you want to feel like you've, you've left a positive mark. And again, I guess I'm just speaking for myself, but because uh, there's different kinds of legacies too. I mean, I, I feel like I mean, look at the, the the athletes that you listed. I mean, yes, the common theme is that they were all technicians in their respective sports, but they also left something behind that wasn't necessarily directly related to the sport that they played, right? Um, a big part of it is about the person themselves, I feel like, and what they've left in the world other than just being really talented at something. So, uh, yeah, I hope that I answered your question. And that's it. Thank you guys so much for uh, trying this out with me. If you've made it this far, uh, I hope that means that you enjoyed it enough to, to stick around. So thank you. And uh, a huge, huge, huge thanks to our Patreon supporters that um, took the time to, to write in some questions. I definitely want to do it again if you guys are into it. So um, thank you guys so much. Again, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, no pressure, man, but I want to put it out there. You can do it. It's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash single podcast theory. Uh and before I go, I do want to say how grateful I am to have met all you guys. And those of you that are kind of like me, actually, that, that listen every week and uh, have never written in and probably never will. Uh, thank you so much, too. It just kind of means a lot to know that you're there, out there, and uh, taking part in, in, this, in this with us. And uh, this is something that... I thought it was just going to be a fun little thing, and it still is a fun thing, but it's a little bit bigger than I thought it was going to be. And it's it's great because uh, it has nothing to do with me. It's What's great about it is that it's way bigger in some ways than than me or Brad or the, the combination of us two together. Um, we might be the, th the people that put this out there for people to grab onto, but you guys are the ones doing it and talking to each other and... It's so cool to be able to tell people the stories um, of friendships and, and I don't know, just positive things out in the world that have come from you guys interacting um, around this show. So it is not lost on us. We're very grateful um, and very humbled to get to do this and share it with so many people. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And now the last song for the evening. Here it is, last exit. See you guys next time. Peace.